بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد کریم الحمد للہ ٹونائٹ از دا سکس آف اوگسٹ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. So moving on to the next section. The tragic passing of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. So alas, differences does now cropped up between the heavenly Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Thus he was finally dismissed and summoned back to Al-Madina. So like I mentioned, the differences being his grievance over not being appointed to overlook the affairs of the Qur'an, his erasing of his own script, and of course the differences that occurred with Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. So there was differences. So Ibn Mas'ud was dismissed and he was summoned back to Al-Madinah. Subhanallah, this summoning had in fact miraculously coincided with the blessed dream of one of the residents of Kufa. So Hafiz Ibn Qadir relates this in his Al-Bidayah 7-183. It mentions, One day a man came running to Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud and said, Last night I had a dream. That Rasulullah was telling you, they have afflicted you much after me. Thus now come back to me. You answered, to hear is to obey Ya Rasulullah. I will thus not now leave Al Madina anymore. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So it wasn't his dream. He didn't have the dream. There was a man. in Kufa who had the dream. So why is that important to highlight? The Prophet said, a true dream can be, you could be honored with a true dream or somebody could have a true dream about you. So it doesn't necessarily have to be from you. So this man came running, meaning he was, he considered this very important. He was very important. What did he say? He goes, I dreamt that Rasulullah was telling you, what did he say? They have afflicted you much after me. Thus now come back to me. So who is the one who has been afflicting him? So this is referring to the fitna and fasad. Not of course the Amir al-Mu'mineen. So he goes, come back to me, meaning Al-Madina. And then he said, in the dream you responded, to hear is to obey Ya Rasulullah. I will now never leave Madina anymore. So what's strange? He was told his own statement. <laughs> In the dream. So, what's interesting, this is very similar to the dream that Bilal had. Bilal was also in Syria in Umar's Khalifa, but he had the dream. And Rasulullah said to him, why don't you visit me, Bilal? <laughs> And then he himself also came to pay his final respects. But this was different in the sense that somebody else had the dream for Ibn Mas'ud. Those as mentioned, After praising his students, Rahimahumullah, 
and then bidding farewell to the residents of Kufa for the last time. This majestic man, who made his way back to the holy city of al Madinah. So like I mentioned, I don't want to reiterate, but he praised his students. He goes, nobody would be able to match you now in terms of knowledge. <laughs> because knowledge has been secured. So he returns. The Amir al-Mu'mini now realized that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was unusually keeping aloof from him. Thus, one fateful day, he confronted him. So there's a bit of tension, obviously. And uh, Sayyidina Uthman realized that he's not showing his usual intimacy with him. So he came to him. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, 1-66 Al-Bidayah, Abu Aun Rahmatullahi, he relates, Sayyidina Uthman who once asked Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu, Will you not stop from what I hear about you? Ibn Masood thereupon offered some excuses. But Uthman said, Radiyallahu, Woe to you! I indeed have heard and preserved, and not as you have heard. I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, An Amir would be killed, and that would be with violence. He thereupon added, Ya Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, I am the one. It was not Umar. Why? As for Umar, radiyallahu, only one man killed him. However, they will converge upon me. This is what he said to Ibn Mas'ud four years before his death. For Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, had passed away about that long before him. So let's look at this amazing report. So now you understand what's you know why there's a kind of a tension between them. So what did he say? He goes, "Won't you stop from what I hear about meaning? Why are you causing, you know, unnecessary tension, which people could misunderstand?" Ibn mm. Masood offered excuses, but Uthman wasn't having it, and he said to him, "Woe to you!" Then he said something amazing to Ibn Masood, radiyallahu. I have heard and preserved." And not as you have heard. Now think about that. How many people can actually say that to Ibn Masood? I have heard and preserved, not as you have heard. He goes, I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, an Amir would be killed and that would be with violence. So that's a hadith. So what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? An Amir, a leader, a chief would be killed. It would be with violence. Then Uthman explained, O oh, Ibn Mas'ud, it's not Umar, it's me. Because Umar was killed by one man, they will converge upon me. Now, even before clarifying further, what does that tell you about Uthman? <laughs> he actually knew, as if he's already been played out. Didn't they all converge upon him in his house? And uh, brutally martyred. Rasulullah had told him that. He told Ibn Mas'ud. He goes, the Prophet was talking about me. And then the report says, Abu Um, this was four years before Uthman was martyred, when he was in his early 80s. Because Ibn Mas'ud passed away shortly after that. So note, Uthman was telling him, about his own martyrdom. And how much Rasulullah loved and venerated him at the same time, giving him 
a warning not to cause any unnecessary further uh, friction. Thus the Amir al-Mu'mineen was giving a timely warning to his noble brother not to add fuel to the looming fitna which was about to be truly unleashed and which would thus ultimately tragically end in the brutal martyrdom of his blessed self. So simply put, uh, Uthman was protecting Ibn Masood from the fitna. He didn't know he was going to die. But at the same time, you could understand how much he was, you know, how much he held him in veneration. Indeed, these words greatly moved the noble son of Mas'ud. Alas, after the short stay in the holy city, Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud, health suddenly took a turn for the worse. The aged Amir al-Mu'mineen, who was like I mentioned around in his early 80s, he was alerted and he thus rushed to his bedside. In this final meeting of these two magnificent companions, the following touching dialogue took place. So now, what's interesting, if you don't know the background, this narration would sound very strange to say the least. But now we've got all the background in place, it won't make any, you know, you'll understand why there's a very unusual conversation taking place. So where's it recorded? In Abu Ya'la, Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, number 2498-9, Ibn Asakir, Ibn Jarir, and Ibn Kathir in their respected tafsirs. Mishkat, Marif al-Quran, volume 8, page 279-80 of the English translation. Shaykh al-Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Da'if in his Da'if al-Jami, number 289. So in terms of Authenticity, it has a weakness. However, many of the major scholars of Hadith have recorded it. Abu Zaybah, rahmatullahi, he said, When Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was lying on his deathbed, Sayyidina Uthman paid him a visit and asked, Ma tashtaki? What are you suffering from? Ibn Mas'ud replied, Dhunubi, my sins. Uthman then asked, Ma tashtahi? Do you desire anything? Ibn Mas'ud replied, Rahmata Rabbi, the mercy of my Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uthman then asked, Allah amurulaka bitabib. Shall I call a physician for you? Ibn Mas'ud replied, At-tabibu am radani. The physician gave me this illness. Uthman radiyallahu then asked, Allah amuru laka bi'ata. May I send you an allowance from the Bayt al-Mal? Ibn Masood replied radiyallahu, La hajata li fi. I have no need for it. Uthman radiyallahu then encouraged, Yakunu libanatika min ba'dik. Accept it, for you are leaving daughters behind you. It will thus benefit them. Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu replied, You are worried about my daughters, that they must not suffer from poverty. But I do not have such a worry, for I have instructed them to recite Surah Al-Waqi'ah every night. Indeed, I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man qara'a surat al-waqi'ati qulla laylatil lam tusibhu faqatan abada. Whoever recites surah al-waqi'ah every night will then never suffer from poverty. 
tomorrow. So let's look at this report. So now you can see that there's tension. So what was the first thing Amir al-Mu'minin asked him? Ma tashtaki. What are you suffering from? Meaning, what's your ailment? So now, <laughs> why did Ibn Basun say the Dhanubi? My sins. You know, he didn't say, well, I've got, I think it's, you know, this illness or that illness. He goes, sins. So he's, he wasn't, obviously, he was studying the truth. Because the suffering on your deathbed is a purification of sins. So he actually answered him correctly. But at the same time, he didn't mention what illness he had. Then the second question Amir al-Mu'minin asked, Ma tashtahi, do you desire anything? Why? Why did he say that? Because the Prophet wasallam said that when a person is on his deathbed and he asks for anything and you have the means to fulfill it, fulfill it. <laughs> so Uthman said, do you desire anything? <laughs> and look at his response, Rahmat al-Rabbi. <laughs> In other words, the mercy of my Lord. In other words, can you give me that? <laughs> so notice again the tension. <laughs> He then asked, Allah Amru Laqabitabib, shall I call a physician for you? In other words, maybe there's a skilled physician we can call, maybe you can still be helped. He replied, Attabibu al Radani. The physician gave me the illness. <laughs> now, does that mean that Allah has called the physician? There's actually a hadith. The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, and the meaning of the hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Seek forgiveness, otherwise I am the physician. <laughs> So what does Allah the Almighty and Lord say? That if you seek forgiveness, you don't need the doctor. If you don't seek forgiveness, I'm the doctor. <laughs> Meaning that he will afflict you to take away those sins which you could easily have taken out if you had sought forgiveness. So note here, what did Ibn Masood say? The physician gave me the ailment. So note, a very high standard of learning. Amir al-Mu'mineen then said, May I send you an allowance from the Bayt al-Mana? What does that mean? Because he dismissed him. Maybe there was some allowance that maybe he was possibly still entitled to. Or whatever the case, maybe Uthman, at the kindness of his heart, thought, will give him an allowance. So he goes, Shall I give you an allowance from the Bayt al-Mana? And Ibn Masood point blank said, La hajat al-Lifi. I have no need for it. So Uthman then encouraged Radiallahu, accept it. You are leaving daughters behind, it will benefit them. And then the famous part of the report. You are worried about my daughters. They suffer from poverty. I haven't got any such worry. I have instructed them to recite Surah Al-Waqiyah every night. Now this is important. People misquote the hadith. They say recite Surah Al-Waqiyah at night. The Prophet didn't say that. He goes, every night. So if you just recite it every now and again, that is not actually executing the command of the Prophet when it's for the females. Because I heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Whoever recites Surah Al-Waqiyah every night will never suffer from poverty. So this is called the Surah of Wealth. There's another report which adds, our beloved messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Surah Al-Waqi'ah is the surah of wealth. Those recite it and teach it to your children. Surah Al-Waqi'ah is the surah of wealth. Those recite it and teach it to your children. This is in Ibn Asakir, Ibn Mardawih, Ruh Al-Ma'ani, Volume 7, page 183, Fat Al-Qadir, 5-146. So it's not just for the females. 
The Prophet said, you recited, meaning they should recite it every night. But you recite it as well, and also teach it to your children, make, it, make them also memorize this surah. And in another report, the Prophet instructed, teach surah al-waqiyah to your women, for it is a surah of wealth. Teach surah al-waqiyah to your women, for it is a surah of wealth. This is in Kanzul Umal and Warul Bayan. So now we don't need to know why. You know, what, straight away, what you notice, you think, what, why? Why is this surah the surah of wealth? Why do the females need to recite this surah? We don't need to know. If the doctor gives you a medicine, you don't start asking, how does it work? <laughs> so think about it. Have you ever once asked your doctor who prescribed a medicine for you, how does it work? <laughs> Never. So you've got absolute you know, confidence in your physician. And then when it comes to the Prophet, how does that work then? So we don't need to know. However, humbly, respectfully, what is the wisdom? You know, we absolutely believe this. But why is it the Surah of Wealth? Indeed, it is no other than this blessed Surah. In verses 58 and 9, in which our loving Lord asks us about our seed, our reproduction system, whether he created it or did we. So Allah mentions that in verse 58 and 9 of the surah. He goes, the seed that you emit, are you the creator or are we the creator? So what does that tell you? If you want children, it's got nothing to do with you. Allah goes, I'm the one who gives you that ability. The seeds that you plant in the land, do you cause it to grow or does he cause it to grow? Surah uh, verse 63 and 4. Allah says that in the Surah Al-Waqiyah. He goes, you can put the seed into the end of the day. Allah is the one who grows. Sometimes it fails. The water that comes down from the heavens. Did you bring it sweet and palatable? Or did he bring it sweet and palatable? Verses 69 and 70. Why is it that the water that comes from the sky you can drink? Our beloved messenger would make the following touching dua after drinking water. Sallallahu alayhi wa in Behaki, in Shu'abbal Iman, number 4303, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be praised and thanked who made it sweet and limpid, clear and pure by His mercy and not salty and bitter by our sins. Subhanallah. So look how amazing. When the Prophet who was sinless, who was protected from all sin, when he would drink water, sallallahu alayhi wa he would say, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be praised and thanked who made this water sweet and limpid. Limpid means clear and pure. By his mercy, not salty and bitter by our sins. Meaning we are not deserving of pure water. Mm. What was he referring to? He was referring to verses 69 and 70 of Surah Waqiyah. Mm. Where Allah Ta'ala says, The water that comes down from the heavens, did you bring it sweet or palatable or did we? Mm. Similarly, in verse 72, did you make the trees grow so as to be fuel for the fire or did we cause it to be fuel for the fire? So why is all that mentioned in this surah? Those note, all wealth is truly in no other but in his hands. Subhanallah. Those note, all wealth is truly in no other but in his hands. Thus the Almighty and Glorious Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala instructs us to say no less than twice within the same surah. I verse 74 and verse 96. 
اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم فسبح بسم ربک العظیم دوس گلوریفائی دا نیم اف یور لورڈ دا ایمنس ہی ایکچولی کنکلوڈز وتھ دس فسبح بسم ربک العظیم دوس گلوریفائی دا نیم اف یور لورڈ دا ایمنس اینڈ دا پروفیٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم وڈ سی سبحان ربی العظیم ہی انسرٹ دا انٹو دا رکوع افٹر دس سورت واز ریویل وائی بیکاز اللہ تعالی سیز فسبح Say subhanallah and remember the name of your Lord, the immense subhanallah rabbi al-azim. It was inserted into the ruku. Mm. So this, the scholars point out, is explaining partially why this is the surat of wealth. Allah Ta'ala is focusing you upon the fact that it is He who is the one who can bless you or deprive you of blessings. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was now the, we're leading up to the tragic passing of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and I mentioned that there was some tension between Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman and ibn Mas'ud due to the incidents I've mentioned and then I mentioned he was told to return by Rasulullah to Al-Madina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he quickly returned not to leave and then of course I mentioned the incident where Uthman gave him a timely warning in terms of not trying to put fuel onto the fire in terms of the looming fitna which was about to erupt and then I mentioned the deathbeds you know uh, most informative conversation between these illustrious souls are there any questions you like to ask subhanallah bihamdi subhanallah allahumma bihamdika ashru la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhibillahi wa shalajim subhanallah rabbi wa rabbi izzati wa ma yisifun assalamu ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahi rabbil alameen wal asr insan lafi khusr ladhina amilu wa amilu s-salihat wal asr al-haq wal asr al-sabr sadaqa wa alhamdulillahi wa alhamdulillahi wa alhamdulillahi wa alhamdulillahi wa alhamdulillahi wa al